Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This week's podcast brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice. With us is the Weekly Standard's Bill Crystal and the Benghazi story. Bill, it's been, well, I know it started off, what was that? It was so long ago. It was a long time ago, right, Bill? It was a long time ago. Why do we still, you know, care about it? I believe mm-hmm. it's been the administration's line and the mass and the mainstream media's line, kind of, oh, you people are crazy over at the Standard and elsewhere who might think it's important. But Steve Hayes is, has a real blockbuster in the New Weekly Standards. Uh, it's up on the website now today. Um, really going to some detail, he really did some great reporting and got the actual talking points, the original draft of the talking points prepared by the intelligence community which, of course, do make clear that it was an al-Qaeda-backed attack, and then how that was uh, changed over the course of the next 24, 48 hours by the administration, pretty clearly acting uh, for political reasons. So we had people saying al-Qaeda was responsible for a 9-11 anniversary attack that killed an American ambassador, and then we had a White House coming out and saying, hey, look, here's a video. Correct. Here's a video. And then when they were attacked on the video, what was their, remember their talking point? It was, hey, well, the intelligence community gave us bad information. The intelligence community's information was absolutely correct. The video is never mentioned in the initial talking points. And and even in the final talking points in the first uh, that go out across the administration about 48 hours after the attack, the video is entirely uh, cooked up by people trying to give, I guess, uh, Susan Rice something to say on the talk shows, but also as you recall, Secretary of State Clinton and President Obama himself went on about the video. Secretary of State Clinton at the at the memorial service uh, for the four Americans who were killed uh, when their bodies were uh, uh, brought to Dover Air Force Base. And then President Obama is still talking about the video at the United Nations uh, two weeks later. I, I really, I've got to say, I've been in Washington a long time. I was in government for seven years. I know how things work. I'm not, I think, excessively um, rosy-eyed about this, but it is a shocking uh, set of emails that Steve has uncovered, and if you just look at the talking points which are reproduced in the article online and how they were bowdlerized and changed, um, you know, these are people working for the U.S. government. These are not Democratic National Committee uh, employees, and yet they pretty shamelessly uh, covered up the truth, and there's only one real, there was no national security reason to do it, quite the contrary, in fact. Uh, the only reason to do it was that they knew President Obama uh, was was uh, election day was was within two months. Yeah, this is why normal people and I. Well, I'm not one, Bill. I admire them tremendously. This is why normal people get so tired of politics. They spent two weeks watching the Obama administration talking about videotape and where did this video come from and riots from videotapes. And then after that story becomes what is the phrase inoperative, I think. Then right. every the same people who fed it to you nonstop for two weeks go, "What are you talking about videotape? I don't remember any videotape." And normal people are being asked, you know, who do you believe, you or me or your lion eyes? And it makes them want to pull their hair out. It does, but it's, you know, it's one thing again for a candidate to say things that are exaggerated or even false, or as I say, the Democratic National Committee. I mean, that that kind of thing you sort of half expect. This was the U.S. government. I mean, these were Secretary of State, a position that's traditionally been kept out of partisan politics. Secretaries of State don't campaign. I remember when I was in the first Bush White House. You know, you just there was you were not allowed to have the Secretary of State get involved at all in the election campaign, even if you know foreign policy became an issue. Uh, we're talking about uh, directors of national intelligence within the Obama administration. So this isn't just the White House playing politics. It's making the entire foreign policy apparatus and national security. Uh, apparatus of the U.S. government play politics, and that really is um, bad. It's just bad, and it does show how thoroughly the Obama administration has politicized um, a- every aspect of public policy. 
Um, and, you know, they got away with it, I guess. He got reelected. I do think now they will begin to pay the price. I think when you read, when people read Steve Hayes' piece and mainstream media types read it, even they aren't going to be able to just have this attitude of complacency about what happened to Benghazi. Well, here in Boston, where I am, the notion of politicizing security is very uh, front of mind. And you think about what has happened since President Obama has taken office, where, as uh, Peter King pointed out, there were five instances that he knew of where potential dangerous uh, people with links to terror were able to get to their targets. Good. The good news is some of them, you know, the technology failed. They were bad at what they did. But uh, d- now we have uh, this still another layer of confirmation that it was al-Qaeda who attacked us on September 11th of last year. It was uh, uh, two uh, Chechen, you know, uh, ethnically Chechen people inspired by an al-Qaeda uh, uh, imam, the, the same American who inspired so much violence. And so this is a series of successes or successful plots that failed on technology since President Obama has taken office. You wonder at what point does do people start noticing this uh, that we're going seem to be going in the wrong direction on our own security? Yeah, at what point do more people than Peter King and a few right. others and a few other columnists like uh, commentators like us say, really, we're Mirandizing this guy before we get all the information we can about his links uh, back in Dagestan and elsewhere to possible al-Qaeda operatives. I I think more may come out, in fact, about the foreign links of the terrorists uh, who, who, you know, attacked and and, and killed and wounded Americans in Boston. And again, when you put Benghazi and Boston together, you have an administration, I think, that uh, either doesn't want to know the truth or certainly doesn't want the American public to know the truth, uh, that's desperately committed, ideologically committed, dogmatically committed to a law enforcement model. And incidentally, not just a law enforcement model here at home, where at least you could sort of make a pl- maybe a semi-plausible case for it, but abroad, because the president wants to know what the chain of custody for the chemical weapons is in Syria. I mean, whatever you think of how we should intervene or whether we should intervene in Syria, and that's a serious foreign policy debate, and it's much more difficult to intervene now than it would have been 18 months ago when some of us urged the president to show leadership and not lead from behind. Whatever you think about what we should do now, and as I say, that's complicated. I have an editorial on that in the, in the magazine, too. Uh, the idea that we are using terms like chain of custody, which is a legal term for criminal evidence in the U.S., to make for, you know, for foreign policy decisions is really just, it's not, it would be funny if it weren't scary. Right. But the, they'll, uh, the people who are advocating this view say, well, we need this approach because what we thought we knew about the weapons of mass destruction before Iraq was so wrong. Therefore, it's the Bush failure that forces us to act this way. And that's really pathetic. I mean, whatever the failures, obviously there were failures of intelligence in Iraq, whatever you want to take, what position you want to take on the war in Iraq. He's the president of the United States. It's 10 years later. He's, we could not uh, have chemical weapons floating around in the Middle East, I don't think. And, you know, al-Qaeda-backed groups, al-Qaeda-backed groups, al-Qaeda groups, you know, right. uh, uh, getting their hands on them or Assad simply using them with impunity after an American president has said it's a red line. I think the Bush excuse is running out. I think Iraq was kind of the last, this, this attempt to use Iraq to excuse their inaction in Syria, maybe. Uh, you know, historians may view this as kind of the last time they tried to play the Bush card. And I think it's one time too many. When you're in your second term as president of the United States, did Ronald Reagan in 1985 uh, say, I can't do this because of Jimmy Carter? That's just right. ridiculous. He's been elected and re-elected president of the United States, Barack Obama. It would be nice if he took some responsibility now for acting as president. Well, he is uh, uh, trying to take responsibility. He was in Mexico yesterday, take responsibility for the progress being made in Washington on immigration reform. Is there progress being made? And have you, have you seen any signs that whatever's happening, President Obama has played any role whatsoever in it? Well, I don't think he's playing much of a role, and I think maybe that's 
smart in the sense that if they want a bipartisan bill, he would just uh, put off any chances of Republican support. I've got to say, and I haven't been closely involved, and I, I need to study up more on the bill, my sense just reading about it, reading what we've had in our magazine about it and in other uh, magazines and on websites, uh, just trying to evaluate it. I think the critics of the bill are winning the argument. I don't think they're winning it you know, because of demagoguery or mm-hmm. because of anything other than just going through the bill and saying, look, do you think this will work? Are these triggers real? Is this Rube Goldberg bureaucracy something that's going to function effectively? Won't there be tens of millions more immigrants coming if we have an effective amnesty? I mean, I think these are, people have raised real substantive public policy questions. And I say this as someone who's more liberal on immigration than you know the bulk of uh, most conservatives. Sure. But I've got to say that those public policy questions, and they're legitimate questions, um, have not been answered well by the proponents of the bill. I think the bill has lost a lot of momentum in the last few weeks. Well, and what happened in Massachusetts has not helped, thanks to the fact that someone was able to uh, leave the country, have their visa expire, have the Department of Homeland Security tell us, oh, yes, we knew he had an expired visa, and he was able to return anyway and then hide evidence in the aftermath of the bombing. The fact that someone who was on welfare benefits and EBT benefits was able to travel to Dagestan while being on two supposed terror watch lists and then travel back and shout regularly in the public sphere about uh, his Islamic ideas shows that even on in, in the most important areas where you'd have these glaring examples, you know, I mean, this isn't just some guy trying to sneak over to get a job working in a restaurant. These are guys who have a lot of reasons to watch what they're doing, and the federal government can't even do that. Yeah, and maybe we should fix the current system and make sure we can enforce what we say we're enforcing now before, you know, taking on this creating this huge additional role and responsibilities for a federal bureaucracy that seems already overwhelmed. I think that's an important point, too. Well, I enjoyed this. Actually, this is my last podcast because I've been replaced by an illegal immigrant. I just got the word uh, from a weekly standard. No, Bill Crystal, thanks so much. Well, you know, you always want to upgrade your workforce, Michael. <laughs> you know, it's an important imperative. <laughs> No way, you're you're safe. You know, that's, of course, that's what they always say the week before exactly. the, the, we put the big get, flip comes. Yes, right? the, the hatchet. I can feel it. He's Bill Crystal. <laughs> I'm Michael Graham. Please check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice.